Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 177. My guest today is someone who I've invited on the show because um, as you've been listening to the episodes, I have a wide range of guests. And one of the guests I wanted to bring on um, was somebody who was right in the middle of their campaign. And I don't mean just right in the middle of their campaign. I mean like they just launched their campaign and they're kind of looking at staring down the barrel of uh, the next 30 days or so of trying to raise money for their project. And this is the recurring uh, theme I want to do. And so I invited a guest on who has a project that launched about an hour ago from the time of this recording. And my guest uh, has his project is called Japanese the Game, and it is out on Kickstarter right now. And his name is Bernhard Hamaker. No, I did that wrong. Bernard, what, what is it? It's Bernhard Hamaker. There we go. Bernhard Hamaker. I apologize about that. No well, problem. You got it. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited. This is one of the most uh, most significant days of my recent history. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yes, your Kickstarter project went live, and that's got to have been pretty exciting for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's more than exciting, definitely. Uh, it's a little crazy. I mean, I put so much work into this. I invented the game six years ago, and it just lay dormant for a long time while you know, I didn't really know what to do with it. And um, I had a dinner party where I invited one of my friends over, actually several of my friends over, um, and we played the game after dinner. And he said, you have to put this on Kickstarter. I was like, I've heard of Kickstarter, but like, is this the sort of thing that goes on there? And uh, it's sort of snowballed from there. It's uh, It's been months, though, since since that dinner party and that determination so but I've learned a lot since then. Well, let's talk about that because, as you and I talked earlier, uh, it has been months. You So somebody tells you about Kickstarter and you hear about this idea. And so then you go out and you do a little bit of research on Kickstarter and you think that it's time to launch. What kind of research did you do that led up to the point where you thought it was time to launch the first time? Because you said that you, were ready to, you thought you were ready to launch several months ago. What kind of research did you yeah. do at that point to feel that you were <laughs> ready to launch? Okay. Well, um, not enough, not much. <laughs> I think I think maybe the less research you do, the more likely you are to think that you're ready to launch. But um, well, for example, well, I I went and looked. I went and looked at some some game kickstarters, and I went and looked at some uh, popular kickstarters and some that were uh, Japan oriented. And I didn't really have a frame of reference to see which were successful and which were not. Um, I saw some that were like wildly successful. For example, Ukiyo-e Heroes by Jed Henry, um, which funded to like $300,000 or something, which was way, way above his goal. And I thought, you know, maybe there's some inherent interest here. And uh, I didn't really know what made his Kickstarter successful, but I thought maybe the same inherent interest would buoy mine enough to make it successful. Um and so I thought I was ready to go. I started putting together some Kickstarter stuff and um, making uh, making some graphics to put on there and writing the script that I wanted to use in my video. And um, then someone turned me on to your podcasts. It was uh, actually a friend at that same at that same dinner party told me, "Hey, uh, my uh, one of my favorite." Uh, artists, Howard Taylor, had did a Kickstarter that was really successful and um, 
you can learn more about that by listening to this podcast about Kickstarters. I can't remember what it's called. But it was yours, Richard. It Perfect. was your case. Well, I, pr- I, I appreciate that. Yes. And Howard, for those who are regular listeners, know, regular listeners know that Howard has been on the show several times. He continues to be probably the in the top five most popular episodes every time he comes on. He has an online comic strip called Schlock Mercenary, and he's been very successful. His wife was just on uh, a few episodes ago with her children's book. Um, it's interesting uh, you've pointed something out, and this is, I think, uh, something that we need to talk about. A common, uh, a common tendency of new Kickstarter project owners is when they go look, and, and similar to what you kind of did, they really focus on those overwhelmingly successful projects, don't they? Well, those are the easiest ones to find out about when you're Googling or reading articles in the Times or anything, you know? They'll write up these amazing projects that you know, raised 11 million bucks. Right. And uh, you just, you, it's, it's a magic and a mystery and you think maybe it'll happen to me. You know, it's a, it's a sort of a lottery concept in your mind, but uh, obviously there, but, but you're thinking, uh-huh. and that's a valid point that I want to address because this is, this happens a lot with a lot of people who reach out to me that you think you use that lottery analogy that, and you think, Hey, your odds are a lot better than the lottery. So for example, in your case, uh, Japanese, well, how many Japanese projects are out there? So your odds must be greatly enhanced that if you put a Japanese project out there, or it happens to be, you know, zombies, we can always use zombies, but zombies are a bad (laughs) example because that, that does generate money no matter what, what happens. But you can, you can tend to think that, Oh, Hey, and you said it, this thing, that's kind of like mine did really well, then that must mean that mine's probably going to do really well. And then you can fall into that fallacy of not preparing and understanding properly. Right. Right. And so, you know, I read, um, some, uh, some articles just on blogs of people who have, you know, talk about different fundraising methods. And I read one about a guy who did an iPhone stand that was wildly successful. And, um, I started to get the idea that, there really are things that you do that make a Kickstarter successful effort you can put in to improve your odds. You know, maybe yours will go crazy um, even without a video. Maybe it'll go crazy even if it's a little bit clumsy because people like the concepts. But the ones that consistently do well follow certain best practices. So that's when I found the Kickstarter best practices forum. Um, Let's talk about that real quick. Kickstarter best practices forum is uh, a Facebook group, right? That's right. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it in one of your podcasts. Oh, that's another thing. Obviously I listened to like a hundred of your podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That was, uh, yeah, a big part of it. I, they're 20 minutes, which is just shorter than my commute. Um, so when I drive, you know, the 18 miles to work and back every day, I listen to a podcast each way. Um, and that was a, another big part of that learning experience that showed me that I had a, a, a lot of work ahead of me if I wanted my best odds. What were the Again, first – sorry, go ahead. You can, you can throw something up. Maybe it will do great. But uh, might as well put some effort in. So what were some of the first things that you realized that caused you to pause that maybe said, uh-oh, I, I might not have uh, as, a, as firm a grasp on this as I thought I did? Because I've had a lot of guests well, on and they've shared a lot yeah. of content. Yeah. Well, um, a very consistent message I heard from your uh, your guests was that bad audio will kill a project. If people can't understand what you're saying, it's just going to die. 
Um, and what I'm doing is linguistic. And so people really need to be able to hear my words. So um, the cute little DVR camera that I had um, didn't have, uh, you know, a mic jack and it wasn't HD um, and it had a really limited recording time and could only put six takes on a disc. So I got myself a new camera and I got myself a really good microphone um, that costs more than the camera. <laughs> and um, now, you know, that was an important thing that uh, really, I think is going to, going to improve my odds significantly for this project, which again, I mean, it just started, but fortunately I already have some backers and looks yep. like we're gathering some momentum. Yeah. You got a little bit of momentum. Honestly, you've got more backers than several people who have approached me lately that had uh, a month of, of project up and you have more backers than that. So you're off to a, a, a promising start. So one was the audio that you've heard. What else? Well, uh, fleshing out my social media, which, um, was, I mean, I've actually done social media professionally for other companies before. Um, but they usually have something I can leverage. I'm basically starting from scratch. So I leveraged my friends basically. Um, but I also leveraged some free advertising from Facebook, uh, that, uh, they just, you know, anyone who has a page, they'll just spam you with, you know, hey, here's 50 free bucks. Um, fortunately, I'm in internet internet marketing professionally, like I said, and I know what to do with that money. So I was able to turn that into, um, I think, 80 additional backers. I mean, not backers, 80 additional uh, Facebook likes uh, of people who are interested in Japanese who are already friends of people who have already liked my page. So um, that was pretty nice. Uh, huh. And right now I'm I'm about to go spend uh, the free money from Twitter and some free money from Google AdWords. Okay, let's talk about the, the, the aspect of your project. Your project is, is Japanese the game, and you're fluent in Japanese, right? That's right, yeah. I, I lived in, Jap in, in Japan for a couple of years, and um, I, had a, I had a pretty easy time with the language compared to a lot of the other people I was there with, um, and uh, fortunately I was able to sort of decode it and turn it into you know, a way that I can teach other people. Um, I tutored Japanese for a while, and this was a tool that really helped people uh, advance their their fluency and, in fact, share the language with their friends. So that's, that's my product. It's a deck of cards, 52 cards in the deck, and each card is a word of Japanese. And the markings on the card and a color code in the instructions help you lay out the card so that they're always a grammatically correct Japanese sentence. So I've got a question then, in, because in English, in the Romance languages, I speak fluent Spanish. Um, I, I speak uh, some Japanese, uh, excuse me, some Chinese. And I know that there are some fundamental differences between Western languages, Romance languages, and the uh, the Eastern languages. The, the... So mm -hmm. when you do this, for example, if I was to do this with Spanish, it would be different because of all the different conjugations. Yes. And if you wanted to create, I mean, I've looked into that. I want to expand this. Um, but J Japanese is, uh, it's, it's all but an orphan language. It's, it's not, uh, similar to other languages at all, except maybe you could, you could make, uh, you could make a lot of comparisons to Korean. Okay. So if, if I port this game into another language, the next one's definitely going to be Korean, the game, but I'm not fluent in Korean, so I'll need some help. Right. Um, but, uh, building building a Japanese sentence is a lot more like building Legos. Uh, the conjugations are straightforward. The uh, they don't conjugate for plurality. 
They don't conjugate for gender. They don't conjugate for um, the way they conjugate for tense is a lot simpler than the way we do it in in Romance languages and in Germanic languages. So um, it lends itself to being made into a game. And so uh, that's just <laughs> sort of its logical, its own logical construct uh, made it so that I could do this. And the, and the idea here is is that you're going to be able to a backer of this project who gets this is now going to be able to sit down with themselves or their children and start to introduce their children to some language skills. Is that the idea that you had? Yeah, that's right. Anyone who speaks Japanese already um, can sit down and you know create sentences with their friends. This game has a solo mode for studying by yourself. It has collaborative mode for studying side by side with someone, and it has a competitive mode for people who like to play games or you know, anyone who wants uh, to sort of infuse a lot more fun into their study. But I don't have to speak Japanese to be able to, to play this game. Right. Not at all. Um, the pronunciations are right on the card and plain Roman characters like <laughs> like you used in every language that you've learned. Well, OK, so you learned some Chinese, which was way different. And it's and for for those people who most Americans who uh, aren't familiar with the differences, the differences between Chinese and Japanese are profound. Uh, yep, grammatically, the, yes. but the Japanese um, didn't have their own writing system. They borrowed one from China. Right. So the writing is borrowed, but the the spoken language is not. Right. But you don't have to be able to read these uh, these Chinese and Japanese characters um, in order to play this game at all. It all has the phonetic pronunciations right on every card. So, for example, the word um, the word oki means big. In Japanese, uh, you'll have O's and a K and I's right above that, so it reads just Oki. You'll be able to, you'll be able to handle it. Um, any novice should be able to play this. <laughs> in fact, my my eleven year old cousin can play this game, so I think we're in good shape. So if I say Oki Doki, I must be speaking Japanese and didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doki means someone who is involved at some with something at the same time as you. So, so this is, uh, maybe uh, a partner uh, at school, you know, someone who uh, went to school with you um, and they were very big. That's what that was. <laughs> Got it. Look at that. Didn't even know I could speak Japanese. All right. <laughs> you did it by accident. Just like when you play this game, you'll be speaking Japanese by accident. So you've put this project together. You went to my podcast to listen to my guests. You went to the Facebook. Where can people find that Facebook forum out there? It is called Kickstarter Best Practices and Lessons Learned. And that's and on Facebook, and that's an open group. That's an open group. You can uh, apply, and uh, you'll you'll probably be approved if you're not an obvious spammer. And, um, yep, what? that's right. Kickstarter what? Best Practices and Lessons Learned. It's It's been tremendously helpful, and um, I've been able to trade help with a lot of people on there, um, people who, you know, have different expertise, uh, people who want, you know, advertising or marketing help. I can offer help from them uh, to them. I do some web design. So I've been able to meet people on there to do barter work with um, on top of just getting amazing advice all day, every day. I mean, there's like a post on there um, twice an hour with a relevant question about something that I'll want to know. It's just a like a, a permanent stream of useful info. Yes, it is. And it uh, and it's great content from a lot of very successful Kickstarter project owners as well. So as I'm looking at your project, let's just take a few minutes to look at your project because we have it. I have it up on the screen, as I assume you do as well. Um, and a couple of things. One is, is that your it's very clear 
what this is. It's called Japanese the Game, a language learning card game. So very, there's no ambiguity about what this is right from the title. The, right. co- the colors are very straightforward. It is your main primary colors are white and red mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of accent black. So again, it stands out. It's very clean. You've got the opening graphic for your video shows the game laid out. So it's very clear. People can see kind of right from looking at it, how you're going to be able to play this. And as I scroll down in the project, a couple of things I really like, um, big fonts. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting older. I have to wear reading glasses and you got big fonts and I don't mean for all the text, but big reds. I assume that's the Japanese character for purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mokuteki is the, is the way to pronounce that. And um, so even if, but you assumed correctly, so I'm doing my job. <laughs> You're doing your job. I see, you know, the purpose and you outline the uh, purpose of this project. Then you have the next one design again, a Japanese symbol right next to it. You've your artwork, the graphics are top notch. I assume this is the same graphic artwork that's going on the cards. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I want to improve it a little bit and I'll have time to do that. Um, plenty of time actually before this Kickstarter needs to be fulfilled. I want to put a little bit more relevant uh, images in the backgrounds of the cards. Uh, right now, they're just sort of like stock, like generic things so that I can show people that there's a color code that they'll be following. But, um, those will all be swapped out for art that's more relevant to the cards. To oh, each I'm seeing that now. And you know what? I was staring right at it. So the different colors actually represent the different structures in the sentence. That's right. Okay, and you yeah. and you laid that out clearly. I just didn't see it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Now it's always blue. Um, interjections are always yellow. Different things like that. Um, and that's all pretty thoroughly detailed in the um, <clears throat> in the uh, instructions. But I don't want to just you know swamp everyone with too much information. And the game costs this deck of cards, one core deck from the first edition. Looks like uh, twenty dollars is your pledge level. Yep, $20 delivered to your door. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so. you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pledge levels, which Kickstarter recommends around right around you know between six and nine. So you've done a uh, you know, good job there. Hey, that was research-based. I've knocked out two or three of them. So, well, um, and, to be, and to be honest, I just looked at another project uh, a few minutes before we actually came on the air to talk. Um, and they had, they had so many add-ons that they had an Excel spreadsheet embedded into their campaign that was so tiny print that you couldn't read it. You had to click on it to enlarge it. And so it looked like they had dozens of additions and add-ons for their project, which I think is just overwhelming for your backers. They successfully funded, but I think it made it really hard for their backers. You've kept it very clean and straightforward, which is kind of the theme of, of the Japanese uh, approach here, isn't it? That This is a very clean, straightforward um, I don't want to use the word simple because you've put a lot of work into this, but it's, uh, no, well, that's what teaching is to me. Um, lear- learning is my core drive out of all the things that motivate me in life. Learning is number one. And to see someone else experience the joy that I feel, um, that's what makes it for me. That's what makes me love to teach. It's because I love to learn the symbol inside the Japanese, the game logo is the symbol for epiphany or enlightenment. And, that's what I love to see on my students' faces. I just I want to see them get it, that moment where they're like, oh, they get it now. And so I have simplified Japanese as much as I can while still making it as comprehensive as I can and struck that balance so that anyone can get from where wherever they are in their learning 
to wherever they want to go, or just play a silly game with their friends. Because when you build these sentences, they're automatically uh, grammatically correct, but just like Mad Libs, they could be completely weird. Got you it. You all your uh, nouns and verbs in the right <laughs> place. But um, in a demonstration video that I just made, you know, somebody uh, somebody makes a sentence called that says, uh, this book is a spatula or something like that. Um, you get points for that, and it's ridiculous, and everyone gets a good laugh, just like, you know, the silly combinations you get in apples to apples. But sure. at the same time, you've learned the book, the word for book, the book word for spatula, and how to create a Japanese sentence, so that when you do want to make a sensible one, you can. Got it. Well, Bernard, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, come on the show and kind of talk about your project here on the first day as it goes live. Thank you for uh, sharing with us. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for backing my project, and um, thanks for talking to me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. This has been episode 177. My guest has been Bernard Hamaker. Bernard Hamaker. Yeah. And uh, his project is Japanese the Game. Uh, It is live out there right now, and he's shared with us some of the experiences that he went through to uh, come to this point to uh, launch the project. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I certainly have learned that I can uh, say okie dokie, and I'm speaking Japanese. So thank you for listening. Take care.